All right. Well, I'm going to be kind of loud and hopefully not annoying. And I'm, I'm glad you're all here because we're talking about the best story ever told. And we're continuing in the series. And tonight I get to talk about the second coming of Jesus, which will hopefully contribute to your gab fest, which I think he described it as a fest of gab. And I think you're not supposed to describe the meaning of a word with the word itself. Is that right? However, the fest of gab and gab fest you'll be having later sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm going to contribute to that tonight, hopefully, and you can take that in there. But the title for my message isn't just the second coming. I've labeled it, The King Has Returned. And if you guys have seen The Lion King, that's one of my favorite parts is when the crazy monkey is like, The King Has Returned. Right? When Simba comes back and takes authority. And this is what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. Our king is going to return to earth. But there have been so many prophets, quote unquote, that have really given a bad rap to this end time scenario or the second coming of Jesus. Because there are a lot of people out there, and I'd like to call them false prophets even. if Maybe that's a little too harsh. But they have foretold or are foretelling the coming of Jesus, and there is no backing for the statement. And I, I, I've been let down a lot in my life. I mean, when I was a kid, I got let down so many times at Christmas. Anybody else? Come on now. You're lying if your hand isn't raised. I wanted, I wanted an Xbox. I wanted a laptop. I wanted a computer. I wanted a, ga- a gaming system or something from my parents, and I didn't get it pretty much for years until I became a teenager, and then I got one. Bought it myself. But Christmas would come, and I'd shake the present. I'm like, for sure, this is a PlayStation. And then I'd open it, and it'd be like a, a bundle of socks with rocks so that it felt heavy, but it really wasn't. Just a bunch of socks. But I would have been let down. I was let down at Christmas a lot. And the reality, I mean, we didn't have a lot of money when I grew up. I have a twin brother. And so if I did something, he also had to do it too, right? And that's just how it works when you're a twin. If he gets it, I get it. That's just the way it works. And then we argued over if somebody else got something and they didn't, right? And, but so I was let down a lot at Christmas time and other big things I can remember. And I've also been let down when it comes to some of these prophets just prophesying when Jesus is going to return because the reality is nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. Do you believe that? I believe that. And if I sit up here and I tell you, if tonight I sat here and I said, do you want to know when Jesus is coming back? I'm going to tell you. All of you should just like put your notepad away and be like, I'm not going to digest anything this guy's telling me right now. Because none of us know when Jesus is coming back. We see in scripture and Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, it says this, but concerning that day, which day? The day when Jesus comes back, his second coming. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only knows. The father only knows. Does it say that the prophets will know? Does it say that Pastor Dustin will know? No, it doesn't. Only the Father 
knows. And then Jesus says again later on in Scripture in Acts chapter 1 and verse 7. Jesus says this, he said to them, he was speaking to his disciples, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So for me, it's pretty clear in Scripture that nobody will know the exact time or hour in which Jesus is going to return back to earth. So when somebody is talking about, you guys, I don't even know if you're old enough to remember Y2K. Anybody remember that? So in, from 1999, when we were rolling over into the new year, 2000, People, especially computer analysts and anybody who was a part of uh, making hardware for computers, were all freaking out that the world was going to end and that everything was going to crash because they didn't calculate or compensate for the fact that all of the numbers in the computer were going to turn to zero in the new year. Because they were switching from 99 to zero, so they thought that information systems were going to crash, the bank systems were going to go all, all downhill, that everything was going to end, and people and prophets, in quotes, prophets, were quoting that this Y2K, this new year, this year 2000 was going to be the year that Jesus is coming because the world is going to end. Well, Jesus didn't come because, what, we're 23 years later now, and he still hasn't come. But then there are other people, other prophets. Let's put that in quotes one more time. Other prophets that talk. Do you remember the end of the Mayan calendar? I think this, I don't even remember how many years ago this was. How many years ago was that now? Oh, my gosh. Was it that long ago? I'm old. (laughs) 2012, wow, okay, I thought it was like five years ago. Anyway, so you may have been a wee lad, just a little guy still, all right? But 2012, people thought the Mayan calendar was ending. Oh my gosh, the world is going to end. We don't know what to do with ourselves because these Mayans have so accurately predicted the future that now that they're no longer predicating what's going to happen in the future, we're all going to die. Well, I guess now we're 10 years removed from that scenario, and we're all still here. We're all still here. I, I'm not. I'd like to think I'm still. I mean, Jesus didn't come back. I hope not, because I missed the boat. But Jesus is going to come back, and nobody knows the time and the hour in which he's going to come back. Only the Father knows. But there will be signs of indicating Right, Because there's a lot of end-time prophecy with a lot of symbols and things that are attached to the book of Revelation that might indicate when we're nearing end times. But we've been in end times for 2,023 years now. Think about it, right? Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross, and ever since he passed, we've been in end times. Because... We're waiting for him to come back. We're waiting for him to come back so he will rule and reign on this earth. And you guys will actually learn more about that next week, the new heaven and the new earth, when the, when the pastor comes to preach on that. And I'm not sure who that is yet, but uh, Michael will tell you guys at a later date. But I have this down on my notes. Everyone will know when Jesus comes back because it's going to be a spectacle. It's going to be 
I mean, you're not going to be able to miss it, all right? It's going to be like the best fireworks show everywhere that you look in the sky. It's going to be amazing. You, you're never going to miss the fact, because some of us, I mean, there are people who are like, man, did I, did I miss that rapture? Did I miss the, I mean, there are, you're going to argue end times tonight, so you can ask yourself, do you believe in the rapture? That's another good question. However, I'm not going to get into all that, all right? I'm just going to talk about when Jesus is coming, because I know for a matter of fact, he's coming back. And it's going to be the biggest spectacle that you will ever see in your entire life. So if you're wondering whether or not you've missed the boat on what, if Jesus has come back or not, you can ask yourself, have you seen an amazing spectacle that your eyes have never seen before? And I guess if you watch TikTok, you see that pretty much every day. However, <laughs> however, when it comes to the sky, the heavens, and the earth, and everything that exists within, you will know. Because we see in Revelation chapter 19 and verses 11 through 21, it's okay if I read a big group of scripture, right? You guys like reading the Bible around here? This is what it's going to be. This is what it will look like. It says, then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he strikes down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If any of you are wondering if tattoos are okay in the Bible, Jesus got one right there. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel. Standing in the sun and with a loud voice, he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, come gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword." That came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. That's a spectacle. That's a battle. That's something the news would not hesitate to cover. So if you're asking yourself, has Jesus come back yet? The answer is no, because I don't think we've seen any of that happen, right? I haven't seen the skies open up. I haven't seen the armies of God descend to take care of the false prophet and the Antichrist and, and the beast. Saying, I haven't seen those guys thrown into a sulfury lake of fire yet. 
I haven't seen the kings that have risen up, the evil ones being cast down. We will know when he will return because it will be the biggest spectacle you have seen in your entire life. And it will be earth, I would like to think, will be almost unrecognizable at that point afterwards because of the chaos that will ensue from that war. But we know who's victorious, amen? It is Jesus and it is his people, his children. We are his children. And some people, because they know Jesus is coming back, there are some people, I've even heard them say it, well, you know, I'm just waiting for Jesus to take me. You know, I'm just, I know maybe that's a little more old school, but there are people who are just content sitting back, hanging out, and they're like, man, Jesus is coming back. I don't got to do, I don't have to do anything. He's just coming back. I already know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. Anybody else, right? Going along. Yep. And you're like, you're just happy with you, yourself, and the Holy Spirit, just like hanging out, doing your thing. And there are people in this world who are content with just sitting back and not doing anything because they know Jesus is coming back. So why bother? What's the point in evangelizing? What's the point in bringing people to church? What's the point in doing Thrive on Thursday? Jesus is coming back someday. Like, why are we doing this? Those are some people's attitude. I'm telling you, and they're content with just, I'm saved, I'm good. And when we have an attitude like that, this is what I think. The, the reason I don't want to just sit around and wait for Jesus to come back is because there are people who are going to go to hell. This is a reality that we don't talk about. This is a reality of the second coming of Jesus Christ. When he returns, he is going to judge the living and the dead. And there are people who are going to hell. We have family members. We have friends that we know right now. Each and every one of us, I know this for a fact. We know people in our life who do not yet know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Is that right? Do you know somebody? And I'm not content with just sitting back and being like, well, I'm going to heaven. Sorry. Sorry about you. Sorry about you. I'm still working on my own family. I'm being serious with you. I have a twin brother, which, you know, he goes to church when I remind him to go to church. But I want it to be his. I want it to be his decision, his idea. I want him to have a passion for Jesus. But I also, I want my sister, who's a heroin addict. I want her to encounter Jesus because I want to see her in those last days. There's a mission that we're all called to, and it's to make sure that our family, our friends, that the whole world hears the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're called to that. So I'm not content with sitting back and being like, hey, he's coming back. I know I'm good. Man, that's selfish of me. I got people, and if, I, if the good news is really so good, why would I hold it back for myself? That's selfish. There's nothing biblical about that, right? I, I like to say something from the pulpit at our church sometimes on Sundays. You know, I'll, I'll get all riled up, and I'll say, you know, hey, let's, let's make it hard to go to hell around here in Gig Harbor. Amen? Let's make it hard to go to hell at Thrive, all right? Let's make it hard. And there's a, another gentleman by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. I don't know if you know that name. 
He's, he's an evangelist, ran a lot of crusades, and he says this, he's quoted saying this, let us plunder hell and populate heaven. Amen? That should be our attitude. That should be what we want because if the good news of Jesus Christ has truly shaped our life and shaped how we live now because I truly believe heaven isn't a place that we're going to go. It's what we can experience now. Right? That is why they prayed in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven because we can experience the goodness of God now. And I want my family and my friends to experience the goodness of God now. Not on their deathbed when they're in the hospital and they make that decision to finally accept Jesus. I want them to walk in the goodness of God right now. Here's the reality too. When we read these scriptures and we know that Jesus is coming back, we know that there are ramifications to him coming back. This is what we know. The return of Jesus will then usher in two different eternities. Think about that. The return of Jesus is going to usher in two different eternities, one with God and one without him. That is the reality that all of us will face one day. There are two eternities, two paths that are set out in front of us because when Jesus comes back to judge the living and the dead, those who are in Christ, a part of the body of Christ, know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, will be in eternity with him. And those who do not will be separated from him. The return of Jesus will usher in two different Eternities. We know that because scripture says in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Let's go ahead and read that together. It says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back. There will be a path that we all will take. Which is why we read those famous words in scripture, right? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That will happen one day, right? This, it's going to happen when he comes back. Because even those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they too will be bowing because they will see the splendor of our King. They will see the reality 
of our kinks. And some people don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in God. They think it's a fairy tale. It's a joke. But everybody will bow to the king one day. The king will have, will have returned. And we will now see his splendor, his awe, his magnificence. And I'll tell you what, I want to make sure all of my family and all of my friends are bowing because they already know him. Not because they're being subject and their knees are being taken out from underneath them. Because I think that's what it will look like. Those who know him will bow and those who don't will be forced to bow. And we don't like to think of the God of the Bible as a God of wrath in judgment, but that is the only way truth exists is if there is penalty for evil. There is good and there is evil, and there has to be punishment for that which is evil, and God is righteous and just, just as much as he is loving and kind and gracious and merciful. It is because he is so merciful toward us that there is justice on the other side of his mercy. But this is what I love most about the God that we serve. I know he's coming back and I know there are these two eternal possibilities for every human being. But Jesus isn't content with just letting people go to hell. Do you know that? Jesus isn't content with that. The Bible says that God was in the world reconciling us back to himself and he has now given us each the ministry of reconciliation. God is using each and every one of us to be ministers of reconciliation, to bring people back to God. God is using you whether you think so or not. You have a ministry whether you think so or not. You might be thinking, well, I don't have a microphone. I don't have a pulpit. I don't have a stage. Nobody lets me play guitar. Nobody lets me bang on the drums. I don't have a ministry, right? I'm not paid on church staff to do. You have a ministry. The Bible says that he has given us each the ministry of reconciliation. It is our responsibility. It is our privilege for us to share the good news of Jesus with the world. And that is what God is doing to reconcile the world back to himself is use us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not content with letting people go to hell, which is why he has equipped human beings like yourselves and like me to be able to share the good news. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That sounds like a loving God to me. That sounds like a God who cares about all of humanity, but our God is not an authoritarian type of God. God is not going to make us bow right now and accept him. That is why we have free will. When he comes back again, his second coming when he comes to reign victorious over this earth to rule and reign on the new heaven and the new earth. Yeah, there will be judgment. Yes, there will be heaven and hell, so to speak, because there will be a new creation, which is technically heaven. You'll learn more about that next week. But God does not want his children separated from him. 
what Adam and Eve experienced in the Garden of Eden was not a physical death. They experienced a spiritual death, a separation from God because they did not obey God's command. But God has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, to reconcile the disconnect. And that is what he offers to each and every one of us. He has given us his son, Jesus, to have and know as Lord and Savior so that we can experience a little bit of heaven on earth now. So we can experience the joy and the love and the peace that comes from only Jesus. Some of us are so anxious. Some of you are so anxious and stressed out and depressed, and it's because that is the way of the world. That is the enemy that we combat on a daily basis. But the Bible, if we truly believe the word of God and who he says he is, the word of God in Isaiah 26, 2 says that if we keep our mind on him, that'll keep us in perfect peace because we trust in him. And tonight, I think some of us, we need to hear that. Because I don't know where you're at in your walk with God right now, but I know that I would love to see you when he comes back. I would love to see you in eternity where there is life and life more abundantly. The Bible says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's Satan. That's this world that we live in now. But Jesus says, but I have come that I might give you life and life more abundantly. And so I would love to just pray over each and every one of you right now that if you don't yet know Jesus, but you have felt him tugging on your heart and you know without a shadow of a doubt that there will come a time where the living and the dead will be judged, but you want to be reconciled to God. You want that relationship restored. I don't think there's any better time than right now to restore that relationship because he's coming back like a thief in the night. We don't, he could come back tomorrow. Now, preachers used to talk about that to scare y'all, but the reality is we don't even talk about it enough now. The fact that he's coming back and we don't know when. And so I will do all that I can as a preacher, as somebody who gets the microphone on a Sunday morning to be able to share the good news of Jesus. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died and rose again, you will be saved. And I'd love to pray with you about that decision right now. Would you bow your head? And right now across this place, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If I'm praying specifically with you, would you just slip your hand up real quick? I want to add my faith to yours right now. I want you to know that you are covered. God sees you and he is with you here right now through the power of his Holy Spirit. And all of us in this room, even if we've prayed this before, would you be bold and pray this out loud with me? Would you repeat after me? Just say, Father. You can say it louder than that. You were loud on the Super Bowl. I know that. Just say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I give my life to you. I acknowledge you as Lord, as Savior as king forgive me of my sins i am a new creation in christ jesus i commit to follow you for the rest of my life i put my faith in you in jesus name amen amen hey would you give the lord a shout of praise tonight he's worthy to be praised amen